Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When will the Packers play Chicago? And Trubisky is going to get taken down short of the first half. He can't get out of the backfield. How about Minnesota? Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, fast start, and they hold on against their division rivals. Find out now on the Packers Schedule Release Show with Ryan Horvat on The Fan. Hey, welcome into the Packers Release Show. Ryan Horvat with you until 8 p.m. Coming up, we're going to talk with Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media, 7 p.m. We'll also be joined by Ryan Wood, 7.30 p.m., the Green Bay Press-Gazette, PackersNews.com. Phone lines open until 8 p.m., 414-799-1250. If you're tuning in for the Zach Gelb Show, it'll be a little bit late tonight. We will have Amy Lawrence overnights, and then I'll be back with you guys bright and early, 5 a.m., and we're going to recap what we learned tonight, the Packers' schedule. We do have some leaks, and I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, Obviously, no live sports Nothing really going on right now as I look up at the TV. We got the last dance airing. KBO baseball right around the corner coming up at 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. to be exact. Other than that, no live sports, so I'm all in on the NFL schedule, and I hope you guys are too. Give me a call, 414-799-1250. We're going to start things off. Now, when the schedule gets released, which the Packers will be able to release the schedule, I believe, at 6.30 p.m., the NFL will release the schedule or do their schedule show with Rich Eisen and the guys from the NFL Network at 7 p.m. You're going to want to put that on mute because you're going to want to call me up. We're going to have a little contest tonight. Last season, I predicted that the Packers would go 13-3. and No, I predicted that the Packers would go 12-4. and They went 13-3. and I was off by one game. So each and every year, I make fun of people that win-loss the schedule. I think it's ridiculous because the NFL, so tough to predict. You know, I could do it in Major League Baseball and tell you I think the Brewers are going to win 95 games. I could even do it in the NBA and tell you I think the Bucs are going to win 60 to 62 games. But in the NFL, it's just so hard to predict because each and every season is so different. You know, you got free agency, you got the draft, but you also have injuries, unlike any other sport. You know, is the team going to stay healthy? And the one thing that the Packers did last year is they stayed healthy on the defense and offensive side of the ball. So when we look at the schedule tonight, I want to win-loss this bad boy. And I'll give my predictions. I got Sam Schmitz. He's producing the show tonight for me. I'm going to have him give the win-losses on this schedule. And I want your phone calls, 414-799-1250. You could also tweet them at the show, at 1057FM, the fan. You can find me personally on Twitter, at Ryan Horvat, R-Y-A-N. I should probably learn how to spell my own name, H-O-R-V-A-T. Tweet at me your predictions each and every game. I'll write down your name. I'll take a snapshot of it, a screenshot of it. And at the end of the year, we'll see who gets the closest. And I got some prizes I could give you guys. I got a 
little box that I've had in the producer booth for over a year of just the weirdest stuff that I could find. I got a Richard Jefferson Bucks jersey, kids jersey that is, um, some old pennants, some baseball cards. We got some koozies in there. So whoever gets closest, and I'm not talking, you can't just say 12 and 4, 13 and 3, 9 and 7. I want you to individually give me the schedule. For example, we got some leaks right now. Week 1, Packers-Vikings. Week 2, Packers-Lions. Week 3, Packers-Saints. Week 4, Packers-Atlanta. That's what we got so far. I want you to go through each game, give me win-loss, and then the record, 10 and 6, 11 and 5. Whoever gets the closest at predicting each and every game right will get a surprise at the end of the year, and you get to brag, like I did all of last year when everybody was saying that the Packers would be an 8-8 eight and eight team in Matt LaFleur's first year as head coach. You know, some were a little bit higher, went 10-6. and six. I bragged all season because they won 13 games, and I predicted them to win 12 when nobody was giving them any credit. So if you could get close to that, not only do you get some free swag, but you also get bragging rights here on this station. So 414-799-1250. A little tough to do that right now since we don't have the full schedule. We do have some of these games leaked, so we'll go over those coming up here. But if you want to give me a call, which game are you most looking forward to? Now, you know the schedule pretty much. You don't know the order of the games, but you know who the Packers are going to play. We're going to get Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady this year. You know you're going to get Aaron Rodgers versus Drew Brees this year. We know that that most likely looks like that's going to be week three on Sunday Night Football. Which games are you looking forward to? And what are your expectations for this team this year? 414-799-1250. Again, tweet at the show at 1057FM. The fan. We got some tweets coming in already. My guy Alex Koloje says the Packers go 9-7, and seven, which... You know, I did a little bit of the math, and that's probably where they actually should have been last year, a 9- or a 10-win football team. Uh, John tweets in, at 105.7 FM, the fan, and says, the number one reason I think they regress is that few realize the overall health of the team last year. You can't expect to get lucky in that category two years in a row, which, I mean, that's the truth right there. It's all about staying healthy. And you go back to the Packers the last decade, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the Nick Perry era where he had one arm. He played with one arm pretty much every other season. Clay Matthews with various injuries. And you remember this Packers team drafting safeties, playing them at defensive backs, you know, picking defensive backs up off the street. We all remember the Ladarius Gunter season where you go to the NFC Championship game despite him being your number one shutdown cornerback. And you just didn't have the injuries, the same injuries that you had in 2018 at the defensive back position, at the linebacker position. I mean, Oren Burks tore his pec muscle in the preseason, so he was out. Darnell Savage, who was a rookie, missed two games. Kevin King only even missed one game. B.J. Goodson missed one game after stepping in for Oren Burks. Other than that, you were healthy the entire season. Other than Zadarius Smith going down in literally every single game, but then popping back up five minutes later and going back in, you stayed healthy. Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Aaron Rodgers played all 16 games. Staying healthy in the NFL, that's the toughest thing to do right there, is just staying healthy. So when you look at the win total, the season win total, you know the Packers won 13 games last year. They won a playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks. They were a game away from the Super Bowl. And if you're a betting man like myself, and you look at the win totals, and you see Caesar Sportsbook, they posted their over-under win totals for the 2020 season before the draft. They had the Packers at just eight and a half wins, which is four and a half wins below their 2020 record. Now, there's a couple different factors for that, and we'll go over there. They'll go over those shortly. But first, we'll get out to your phone calls. I do want your predictions. 414-799-1250. Jacob's on the south side. Jake, what's going on, man? 
Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having the show. Um, the game I'm looking forward to most is the one I know, which is week one right away in Minnesota. Um, I've been saying this whole off season, or at least ever since this whole pandemic started, that as far as the NFL goes, it's all going to be about continuity this year. Given that there's not really going to be much of a off season program, if any, um, I think that the teams that have the most continuity are going to be the ones that have the most early success, especially. Uh, Green Bay, going into this year, they replaced three starters. Um, two of the upgrades, I think, are big, or two of the starters, I think, are upgrades in the middle linebacker position um, and also the tight end position. I think the only real downgrade they made was that right tackle. So uh, those upgrades that they made, I think, are going to uh, come, come in to uh, help them big time. And I think just the teams that drafted smartly are the ones that are kind of drafted for two years down the line, three years down the line, which is what Green Bay did. Um, again, I'll say 11 wins, maybe a couple less wins than last year, but I think overall they're a better team and more of a threat. You think they're a better team on paper this year? Uh, I, I think, I mean, I guess it depends on your definition of on paper because what's on paper would be their actual record. Right. But I do think they're going to be a more dangerous team come playoff time. Um, and I'm loving and loving this draft class more and more just because I think with Guys like Dylan and DeGuara, that's really going to open things up and allow them to use Aaron Jones and Jay Sternberger in uh, more diverse roles and kind of put them all over the field. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Sternberger, especially when reading some reports they're going to use him out of the slot a little bit. We'll see more two tight end formations. I mean, they still do have Mercedes Lewis, and you're pretty much going to just use him as an extra tackle, as another blocker, but he could catch a couple balls if need be. I want to see them pound the football this year because, you know, I know everybody was down on the draft, and I wasn't. I wasn't too happy with the quarterback pick with Jordan Love in the first round because I'm an Aaron Rodgers guy. But the more I think about it, I love the A.J. Dillon pick because now you're going to be able to pound the football and you got kind of a three-headed backfield so you could run a lot of what San Francisco ran last year and that's going to open up the play-action pass because if teams stack the box to stop Aaron Jones or you know A.J. Dillon, Rodgers is going to kill him in the play-action and it's going to also add a couple years to his career. I mean, whether he finishes in Green Bay, I'm not sure, but he's not going to get hit a whole lot because he didn't last year in this offense. Well, absolutely, and I think a lot of people that are upset about the A.J. Dillon pick because um, they think, oh, that means that they're going to take Jones off the field. On the contrary, I think he's going to be on the field more. It's just you're going to see him in a lot of different places, yeah. similar to the way that Carolina uses Christian McCaffrey. So he's not going to take as many hits in between the tackles. They'll be able to get him the ball in space more, um, which I think is the, the best-case scenario for an Aaron Jones. No, I completely agree, and if you go back and you watch the tape in the Kansas City game, I thought that that was when the offense was really just clicking, and then Devontae Adams comes back a couple weeks later, and they start you know, targeting Devontae 12 to 13 times a game. I thought that the playbook should have been featured around Aaron Jones. You could split him out. You know, use him a little bit as a. I mean, you could he could catch balls out of the backfield. And, you know, I know that not, that's not really AJ Dillon's forte yet, but he also said that that's just not the offense that they ran at Boston College. That they just don't, you know, call on the running backs to catch passes out of the backfield. So I think he'll well, improve on that area too. And I think uh, with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, and it's almost to a fault that he's all about trust. Yep. So for everybody that's up in arms that they didn't spend a high draft pick or trade up to get that big wide receiver, the idea of Aaron Rodgers trusting a rookie that has no mini camp. I mean, I, I just don't see that kind of value there. No, I completely agree with you. And also, like, they did the research. They did a great article, and it was in The Athletic, where just picks 21 through 31, like, if you go back, like, first-round wide receivers don't always pan out. So even if you think Jordan Love's going to be, a like, a product, the average production from receivers picked uh, in picks 21 through 31 over the first two seasons 
is like a thousand yards or something like that. So MVS his first two years, like we consider him to be a little bit of a disaster. He has a thousand over a thousand yards receiving. The average for picks twenty one through thirty one is one thousand one hundred and fifty one yards. Like in two thousand and nine, Akeem Hicks, like Percy Harvin, Kenny Britt, Jonathan Baldwin, you know, uh, Kelvin Ridley, DJ Moore in two thousand eighteen. Those are usually the quality receivers you're getting picks twenty one through thirty one. Now, if if you have a top 10 pick or top 15 pick and you bring in a CeeDee Lamb or even a Justin Jefferson, I think that that's a different story. But right, I mean, it's it's a gamble any time in the NFL draft. I, I hate that people just thought that if you take a wide receiver like Mims in the first round, he's going to be a for sure thing. Like, you don't know that. And there's really going to be no offseason workouts or anything where Aaron Rodgers gets familiar with these guys. So I, I agree with what you just said right there. I do actually like the A.J. Dillon pick a lot. Well, and I'm glad you brought up Denzel Mims because I know that's the guy that a lot of people are saying they should have just stayed pat and probably taken him there. But specifically, if you look at his scouting report, one of the big knocks on him is that he doesn't run great routes or he doesn't run crisp routes. Mm -hmm. And if you're not exactly where you need to be at the exact right time that you need to be there, Aaron Rodgers is not throwing you the ball. So um, I like Denzel Mims as a long-term prospect, but if he was our first-round pick and they threw him out there as a starter, I think there's going to be a lot of people screaming, why did we draft this guy? No, I completely agree. And that's why I think Rodgers likes Alan Lazard so much is because he runs solid routes and he's where he's supposed to be. Because not only does Rodgers trust Alan Lazard, which I think he's going to have a monster season, is he trusts him on third down. Like a lot of Alan Lazard's big grabs – we're on third down, and he just knows where he's going to be. And I think MVS could have a bounce-back season because the first couple of weeks, and even his rookie year, he was solid, but he did deal with an injury, and then I think he was in the coach's doghouse. Not quite sure why, because of the drops or whatnot. I mean, he only played one snap in the NFC Championship game. I expect him to bounce back, and I think EQ is going to have a big year out of the slot, too. I was really high on him his rookie year. Uh, it was unfortunate he had to get injured. Really liked him at Notre Dame. So I think that EQ could be that, almost like that rookie wide receiver you didn't take, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I think um, St. Brown was actually starting to come around, and he looked really good before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the way that the NFL's rules are, he was had to put on um, injured reserve and wasn't able to come back for the rest of the season. Um, I really wish they'd switch that rule. But I know. Um, touching on MVS, as you said, if you look back, and I, I have to own up to it, I was kind of one of the guys that was ready to uh, – you know, give him the heave hole. But after Devontae Adams' first two years in the league, right. there were not many Packer fans that were saying this guy's going to be our future number one pick. Now, I'm not saying uh, MBS has that kind of potential to be a Devontae Adams, but uh, certainly there's a reason that they picked him uh, that high. He's an unbelievable athlete. To me, at this point, it's just a matter of, okay, now is the point. Is the light going to come on or is it not? And if it does, watch out because he's a crazy athlete that can really stretch the field. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know, I guess in general, I'm, I'm choosing to be positive. There's just, there's too many Packer fans that are just negative for the sake of being negative. Like mm-hmm. maybe you don't like the Jordan love pick and you don't think it's going to work out, but be excited that the management looked at this guy and thought enough of him to say, we can't not get him and went up and got him. Maybe, uh, that, that, like I said, be, be excited that, that we know what the future is going to hold, uh, whether or not that pans out, that remains to be seen, but that's why we watch the games. This is all entertainment. No, I completely agree. I mean, you could be a Browns fan and be drafting a different quarterback every single year and finish with, you know, four or five wins every year. I just feel like we are a little selfish. I mean, they were a game away from the Super Bowl last year, and we're still complaining. Well, you know, uh, you do take it for granted, I think, sometimes as Packer fans, the fact that they are relevant every single year outside of, you know, maybe a handful of years in the last 25, 30 years. Um, big part of that is quarterback play. Uh, I think a big reason that a lot of the teams that are drafting quarterbacks high and seem to always be drafting quarterbacks high is because these guys get thrown to the wolves right away, yep. and 
some of the guys just can't handle not having that early success. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, well, no, that's a great point right there, and especially with the Jordan Love pick, like, the thing about Jordan Love is if you go back and you watch the tape, I mean, he has the arm strength, he can make every throw, his mechanics are just a little bit of a mess, he doesn't set his feet, he throws off his back foot, but I hate when we knock these, like, 20-year-old kids, because that's every young quarterback, I mean, that was Sam Darnold at USC, and I think that he might end up being one of the better quarterbacks in the league in a year or two, even Baker Mayfield, I think, will have a better year this year, his offensive line just sucked last year, so he bailed out of the pocket too much, but, like, it used to be in the 80s, in the 90s, you draft a quarterback and he would sit behind. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a great example. You'd sit behind a guy and hold a clipboard for three to four years and learn the offense. Now, right, like you said, they throw these guys to the Wolves. Josh Rosen's another good example. I thought he'd be a solid pro, but he got destroyed his first year in Arizona and then, you know, thrown to the Wolves in Miami when Ryan Fitzpatrick got benched last year. So I just, I do like the fact that Matt LaFleur is a quarterback whisperer. He worked with RG3 when RG3 was rookie of the year. Uh, he worked with Matt Ryan when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, and Matt Ryan had an MVP-type season. So I, I do think that if you give him two years with Jordan Love, he'll be ready. I just hope they don't try to go to Jordan Love a little bit too early and and you know get rid of Aaron Rodgers or show him the door. I want Rodgers to decide when he walks away. No, Which, I, you know, I know that's not how it works. but For a couple years now, I've always kind of pictured Rodgers ended his career out west. Um, he always seems to kind of talk wistfully about – 49ers not drafting him not saying like he's looking back at it and he's upset about it but um he just he's a west coast guy that comes off like it um i think he'll probably play three years here and maybe play a couple years in you know san francisco or la and that's fine um i will cheer for him if that's the case uh but like you said the, these two to three years it, it, it's funny there's so many people that i knew going into this draft but you bring up jordan love and they'll be like well he, he has to be a guy that sits for two to three years and there's no pressure on him and he can develop. And then he has this tremendous upside. And then Green Bay drafts him in the exact same situation that they said was ideal. And it's like, well, no, no, I don't want him here. Like, right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm probably biased because I was over the moon when they drafted Jordan Love. Um, I'm one of the guys that looked at the tape, looked at all the crazy highlight plays and said, man, that's the kind of stuff you can't teach. So right. like you said, get the mechanics down and you have a guy who has the upside of being the best quarterback in that draft. Yeah, and like they bring up the interceptions. Look at Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. He threw a bunch of picks, too, in that offense. And it was the same thing, though, where it was, okay, the Chiefs are going to trade up. They'll take Patrick Mahomes. And people forget, like, in, in um, that year, Alex Smith had a Pro Bowl season, and the Chiefs went to the playoffs. But it was... You know, they already clinched. They brought in Mahomes for one game, and then Andy Reid was like, wow, this kid's ready right now, and they got rid of Alex Smith. And then two years later, Patrick Mahomes won uh, won a Super Bowl. And the year before that, he won an MVP. So I'm hoping that that's the case with Jordan Love, but I just want to wait two to three years. And, yeah, I really appreciate the phone call, Jacob. Thanks for listening, man. Yeah, thank you. 414-799-1250. Call in. You could give your predictions. Again, the schedule will be released in about 12 minutes from now. What we have so far leaked is we have week one, September 13th, the Packers on the road taking on the Vikings. Week two, the Packers at home hosting the Detroit Lions. Week three, Green Bay on the road playing in New Orleans Sunday night football. It'll be interesting to see if fans are in attendance. I would. It's going to be crazy to watch that dome with nobody in there, even week one you know, in Minnesota with no fans in attendance. They pump in the fake crowd noise, so they'll be all right. Uh, October 5th, week four, Packers at the Falcons, Monday Night Football. That's what I'm looking forward to. I think Atlanta's going to be good this year. and I think Todd Gurley, arthritis in his knee or not, I think in the role that they're going to use him in, I think he's going to be all right. Uh, November 1st, we know the Packers host the Vikings. November 15th, 
Green Bay hits the road, they'll or no, they will be at home and they will be hosting the Jags, who are going to be a bit of a disaster this year. Jacksonville will be November 29th leaked right now. Packers versus the Bears at Lambeau Field. December 6th, Packers take on the Eagles at Lambeau Field. One of their three losses in the regular season last year was to Philadelphia Thursday Night Football. We all remember that game. And then December 19th, they got, or the 20th it could be, the Packers versus the Panthers at Lambeau Field. December 27th, Packers take on the Titans at Lambeau Field. That's when I have circled Matt LaFleur taking on his former team, the Tennessee Titans. Titans coming off a season where they made the AFC Championship game. I kind of expect them to regress a little bit. I just think that Tannehill will come back down to earth. Everything he did last year was off play action because Derrick Henry literally carried that team into the AFC Championship game. And then Week 17, January 3rd, Packers at the Bears. Don't know if I love that, and I know Aaron Rodgers, when he looks at the schedule, sees that game Week 17, and he can't be a huge fan because Soldier Field's field is actually just a complete disaster. It's going to be freezing cold, and that field will be all ripped up. So that's a game that you don't want to play Week 17. Hopefully the Packers have things clinched up by then. 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Again, we want your phone calls. You could tweet at the show at 1057FM, the fan. You look at the schedule. You know who they're going to play. Which games do you have circled? Which are you looking forward to? And do you think this team regresses? Do you think that they get better? Your predictions for the season. It is the schedule release show. I'm Ryan Horvat. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Packers schedule release show with Ryan Horvat on the fan. Seven minutes until the Green Bay Packers release their schedule for the upcoming season. About 37 minutes till the NFL does their schedule show. Again, put that on mute. Give me a call, 414-799-1250. Once the schedule is released, if you want to put a name to your picks, I will screenshot it if you tweet it, at 1057FM, the fan. If you want to give me a call, again, 414-799-1250. Win-loss each game. Whoever gets the closest at the end of the year, and if there are ties, and you predict the same amount of games, like for example, Packers win against the Vikings but lose against the Falcons, and somebody else has the same identical record, I have multiple gifts for you guys. And you get bragging rights here on this radio station and with your friends. Last year, I predicted the Packers to go 13-3. and To go 12-4, and they went 13-3, and so I was one number off. Close enough. Close enough considering the fact that everybody else had them going 9 and 7, maybe 10 and 6 at best. So now is your chance to predict the season 414 799 1250. Again, what we know, September 13th, looks like Green Bay will open up on the road in Minnesota, taking on the Vikings. Week two, Packers take on the Lions at Lambeau Field. Week three, Green Bay on the road, taking on the Saints Sunday night football. Week four, October 5th. Green Bay, Atlanta, Monday Night Football, one that I'm looking forward to. So the first four games of the season, what do you think the record will be? 414-799-1250. Other than that, November 1st, All Saints Day, the Packers take on the Vikings at Lambeau Field. November 15th, now we don't know who they're going to face off October 11th, 18th, or the 25th. We also don't know when the bye week will be. We know that on November 15th, they'll take on the Jags at Lambeau Field. That should be an easy victory, I would assume. Uh, Looking at this schedule, though, not a whole lot of ones that you could just pencil in as a win. You know, and I was talking a little bit on the Wendy's Big Show with Gary Ellerson, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, and Leroy Butler. I'm a little higher on the Detroit Lions, I think, than most people. Again, I was last season, but if you go back and you look at last year, sure, the Lions were a disaster. Sure, they had the third overall pick in the draft. Sure, they went defensive back over Tua for some 
uh, reason. And I love Jeff Okuda. I just think in 10 years, when you're talking about your franchise, are you going to remember that you selected a defensive back with the third overall pick? Or would you remember a franchise, a possible franchise-changing quarterback in Tua or Justin Herbert? I like Matthew Stafford, but the fact is, he's not getting any younger. He's not getting any healthier. He's got a bum back, and he's never won a playoff game. Not one playoff game. So I just think that they should have took two up. But I love what the Lions did in the draft. And if you go back and you watch them last year, they were in every single game. They didn't get blown out once. You know, they they, they should have beat Kansas City. You know, week one is a great example of their season. They should have beat the Arizona Cardinals. They're taking on a team with a rookie quarterback making his first start. They have a lead in the first half and then a complete collapse, and they end up tying in that game. But the Lions were not a bad football team, and they dealt with a bunch of injuries. I mean, they started David Blau, Purdue legend, at quarterback for half of the season. Stafford was out. You know, Mike Daniels out. I like Okuda a lot, but that's not even the pick that really jumps off the page. I love DeAndre Swift. I do. He could catch balls out of the backfield. I think he could be a 1,000-yard rusher if he's on the field long enough because you also have Kerryon Johnson, who dealt with injuries last year. You got Bo, the running back out of Alabama. I mean, I think that they're going to be able to pound the football open up the play-action pass, and if Stafford's able to stay healthy, look at the receivers they got as well. I love Kenny Galladay. Now, the problem with the Lions is they get in their own way. You can't win 10-11 games if you commit 27 penalties, and their head coach, I'm not really sold on Matt Patricia. I'm not really sold on anybody off the Bill Belichick coaching tree, actually, which is crazy to say, but I'm not. So I think the Lions... Like I said last year, the Lions could win 11 games or the Lions could win three games, and I wouldn't be surprised. But they could be the surprise team in the NFC North. As I look at the roster, I think I like their roster the best. Minnesota lost nine starters. Nine starters they lost. And more importantly, I thought that when Minnesota was at their best last year was the second half of the season. You know, Even when Delvin Cook was banged up, they ran the football really well, and they open things up with the play-action pass. You're not going to win 11, 12 games if you're Minnesota with Kirk Cousins dropping back 25 to 30 times per game. So what Minnesota did last year was they pounded the rock, and then they opened up the play-action pass for Kirk Cousins, and he had a Pro Bowl-type season. But they lose their offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, who gets a head coaching job, so he's gone. So I expect Minnesota to regress, and you lose Stephon Diggs. And I really like Justin Jefferson. I would have traded up for Justin Jefferson. 109 receptions out of the slot at LSU just last year. 25 touchdown catches in two years at LSU. I think that he may end up being one of the best receivers in the NFL in three to four years, which is, I know, kind of crazy. I also said that about CeeDee Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy. But I think, honestly, Justin Jefferson might end up being the best receiver out of this draft, and the Vikings got him. But he's not Stephon Diggs yet. He's a cheaper version, and I think the Stephon Diggs loss may hurt the team Or who knows, maybe they benefit because there was a lot of drama in that locker room. With all the talent that Minnesota's had, there was also a lot of drama in that locker room. So much drama that Kirk Cousins had to go on a podcast or on his radio show and apologize to Adam Thielen and apologize to Stephon Diggs for not being able to get him the ball and not targeting them enough. So who knows, maybe now with just Adam Thielen and then some rookie receivers, you you know, as good as Justin Jefferson is, he's not going to demand 15 targets per game his rookie year. So maybe that's a beneficial thing for Minnesota. Maybe it's a bad thing because they lose nine starters. So I'm not as high on the Lions. The Bears, what a disaster. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, still solid. You still have Khalil Mack. Although, if you look at the numbers, Zadarius Smith actually had a better year than Khalil Mack last year. Very underrated. Snubbed. Snubbed all pro. Um, But offensively, what a mess. You know, they do not extend Mitchell Trubisky. They're not going to pick up that fifth-year option, so it looks like he's done. And I thought that he was going to be the starting quarterback, even if 
even after they picked up Nick Foles, I figure you begin the year with Trubisky or it's his job to lose because you wasted a number two overall pick on him. You traded up to get Mitch Trubisky. You passed up on Patrick Mahomes, who has now won an MVP, a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. And you took Mitch Trubisky. So I figured for Ryan Pace, he'd have to be all in. But offensively, they have 15 tight ends. I said on the Wendy's Big Show, like the Chicago Bears treat the tight end position the same way that the New York Knicks treat the power forward position. You know, they don't have a point guard, but they got Julius Randle and nine other power forwards on the team. What are the Bears going to do with Jimmy Graham? And so defensively sold on the Bears, but offensively, I think they're a joke. So the Lions, I think improved the most in the NFC North just by if they could stay healthy and they get Stafford back and David Blau is not their starting quarterback. 414-799-1250, your predictions. The NFL schedule release show continues. Next, we'll check in with Bart Winkler, host of the Bart Winkler Morning Show here on The Fan. You're listening to the Packers schedule release show with Ryan Horvath on The Fan. Yes, it is 105.7 FM, The Fan. Ryan Horvath with you until 8 p.m. As we break down the Packers' schedule, we welcome in now from the Bart Winkler Morning Show, Bart Winkler. Bart, what's going on, my friend? I'm just looking this thing over, and I'm surprised by a lot of things uh, at this point. I'm looking at this Packers' schedule, and if you guys haven't seen, I'll run through it real quick. At Minnesota, home against Detroit. At New Orleans, home against Atlanta, bye week, week five. At Tampa Bay, at Houston, Minnesota at home, at the Niners, Jags at home, at the Colts, Bears and Eagles at home, at the Lions, Panthers and Titans at home, at the Bears. So a lot of good December football. I mean, outside of, they've got their road trip November 5th, but then they're in the Midwest the rest of the season. So that's a huge plus. But the primetime games... They've got the Tennessee Titans on a Sunday night. That could get flexed out December 27th, but that's weird. The Falcons on ESPN. The Brady game at Tampa Sunday, October 18th, is scheduled to be a Fox afternoon game. You thought for sure that would be Sunday night football. So uh, it's interesting that the primetime games are what they are, and it's also interesting that they did not go ahead and do what we thought was the rumor this morning, the four AFC games first, in case the NFL had to cancel some of the season. What this schedule tells you is that they expect to start on September 13th. And I don't know what the contingency is, but it looks like they expect to to play football, which is a good thing. Oh, it's a great thing. I'm just surprised that John Clayton, because that's who who had it. He was on a Pittsburgh radio station, and he said they're going to play the first four weeks AFC versus NFC. It's not like it was like Willie Lump Lump or like, you know, Barry on Twitter fooling people. It was John Clayton that had it wrong. Yeah, that was surprising. And what was also surprising is it's, it was such a good idea. It was such a good idea because if the NFL, and I don't know if we're going to also see the contingency plans, because this is not the only schedule they have done. Yeah, that's what it I'm confused be. about, right. It can't be. But if there's contingency plans... Let's say you can play for the first four weeks of the season. The Packers' first four weeks are at Minnesota, Detroit, at New Orleans, and then the Falcons. So you only play Minnesota once and you get them at home? Or is there a backup schedule that they're going to have crafted? And I've already seen our friends over in Minnesota complaining about this schedule because let's say you can't have fans in September or October, but in November you can. 
Well, the Packers play at Minnesota September 13th, and they play at home November 1st against Minnesota. So how unfair would it be for the Vikings if you had the Packers come to Minnesota where there's nobody there, but then they had to come to Lambeau where there's 80,000 people there. So there's, I'm very surprised about the primetime games, about the way that the schedule is with the NFC, AFC. The NFL just put this out like a normal schedule, and all indications were that they were afraid they weren't going to be able to have the 16 games. They have furloughed employees. Goodell is sacrificed his entire $50 million check for this season. But this schedule, at least the one that we've seen, unless there's alternates that come out, which I don't think there will be until they need to show us, this schedule shows us the NFL believes they will be starting on time. And I, well, that's what we all want. I'm just surprised that there's no contingency plan that we've seen to this point. No, I and I, I'm glad that you brought up possibly not having fans in attendance. Obviously, I'm rooting for fans to be in attendance. I want to be at a game at Lambeau Field, even if it's you know week 13, week 14, week 15, whenever. But you look at the schedule in week one at Minnesota. I mean, that's one of the tougher places to play. It always has been, and you could say what you want about them pumping in fake crowd noise. They'd probably do the same thing. But imagine Aaron Rodgers giving a hard count in Minnesota with no fans in attendance. I mean, I'm having... Just dreams about that. You get Detroit at home week two. Should be a victory, but I'm a little higher, I know, on the Lions than most people. And they play the Packers tough and every other team in the league tough. And then you go to New Orleans week three. Like, imagine getting the Saints in that dome. I mean, yeah, they still got all that speed on the turf, but you get them in that dome with nobody in attendance. I just think that that... Like, I don't... I want fans back in attendance, right? I'm not rooting for, like, COVID-19 in this situation here. But, I mean... Tampa Bay, I mean, even week right. six, man, like with nobody in attendance, though, you could luck you out. You root for no fans. You almost, right. yeah. almost root for no fans. I know. That's what I'm saying. All your toughest games, like you could be playing them with nobody in attendance. It's huge. The last four home games or road games, Chicago, Detroit, Colts, Niners. Niners is going to be a tough one. That's a Thursday night game. Yeah. But, yeah, the tougher ones in the louder environments, first three road games are Vikings, Saints, and then Buccaneers, which is going to be a crazy atmosphere down there with – uh, Brock and uh, Brock, Grady, geez, what are the two names? Brady and Gronk. Brady and Gronk, yeah. <laughs> uh, Grady and Bronk. No, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. So that is a storyline that we're going to follow over the summer. And then I really am surprised. Like, they must really think that Lafleur playing against his old teams is a juicy national thing. Because Monday Night Football has the Packers hosting Atlanta and then Sunday night at the end of the season, again, if it doesn't get flexed out, has the Tennessee Titans coming on a Sunday night game. Now, the only day that we don't know for sure, the weekend of the 20th, could be a Saturday game. But this, again, could all get changed. If college football has to play in the spring, right. the NFL is going to look at all this and say, well, we're going to move a handful of games to Saturday. But at least we know the order, and that's going to dictate you know, where we go from here. I, I'm just surprised that the NFL put out this schedule as normal again that's a good thing i'm just i'm surprised i'm just surprised yeah with like the lafleur rent the floor revenge games like i like the atlanta game on monday night football because i think atlanta is going to be a better team they were the last six weeks of the season because they were playing for dan quinn's job and matt ryan was healthy i actually like to pick up a todd Gurley. i don't think he's going to be todd Gurley from three years ago but I think even with arthritis in his knee, I think he could put together a pretty solid season, and they got a 1-2 rushing attack. I think Atlanta is going to win that division. And then Tennessee, though, I do think they regress. I think Ryan Tannehill comes back down to earth because you're going to be able to stack the box against Derrick Henry. He's not going to be able to have the season that he had last year. 
And it's a contract year for Derrick Henry, so he's probably pretty upset that he got franchise tagged. But I just think Tennessee comes back down to earth. You know what I don't like is Week 17, and I know that the Bears or the Packers obviously have success Week 17 against Soldier Field. You go back to Rodgers finding Cobb to get him into the playoffs that year, coming off the collarbone injury. But I do not like playing on that field Week 17 when it's cold at Soldier Field. I just think of injuries because the field's always torn up, and it's and it's crap. Yeah, that's going to be tough, but it is it is good travel-wise. Again, after the November 5th game against the Niners, the Packers playing Green Bay, Indy, Green Bay, Green Bay, Detroit, Green Bay, Green Bay, Chicago, all places that you can drive to. So from that standpoint, it's good, but you're right. That field, especially in January, is, is it's like unbelievably bad. Like if you, you, you watch the last dance and they were showing the – Bulls Celtics series and the hardwood that the Celtics used to play on at the garden was all uneven and and they're like oh we can't do this we got to change it and the NFL's tried that except in Chicago where they're like Kesara Sara on this crappy field whatever will be will be yeah exactly and if you guys want to weigh in on the schedule now that it's released 414-799-1250 tweet at the show at 105.7 FM the fan you know about what I want people to do what I said that they could do is I would individually write down names and if anybody wanted to win loss the schedule whoever gets the closest we have a box of crap in the back and i'd give away some uh some free gifts if anybody got as close as i did last season when i predicted them to go 12 and 4 and they went 13 and 3 what did you predict last year 11 and 5 i took 10 and 6 and i thought that that was a little obnoxious and then you took 12 and 4 and then they go 13 and 3 i want to tell listeners of this program because the win loss the schedule is Maybe the greatest segment we do every year. We are going to win-loss this entire schedule tomorrow on the morning show. We'll talk about it. We'll look at our points, our highlights. We'll take your calls, your reactions. But Horvat and I will win-loss this schedule at 8 a.m. Set your alarms. Get up. Tell your wife that you can't watch the kid. You're not going to work tomorrow. You've got to tune in. 8 a.m. when we win-loss this thing, baby. We're going to tear it up top to bottom and win-loss this mofo. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for popping on. You get back to your life, okay? I've got wings that just got delivered. And, uh, you going to eat them on the toilet, gonna... or is that just what you're doing? <laughs> I'll let you know tomorrow, everybody. All right, talk to you then. That's Bart Winkler. You could hear him on the Bart Winkler Morning Show with myself tomorrow morning, and he joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. 414-799-1250. I want your thoughts on the schedule. It has been released. We'll go through it. We could win loss it. I want to know what games you have circled outside of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I know everybody wants to see that. We get to your phone calls next on the schedule release show and your social media reaction. Again, tweeted the show at 105.7 FM. The fan. You're listening to the Packers schedule release show with Ryan Horvat on the fan. So the Packers' regular season schedule has officially been released. We'll go through it really quick. Then we'll get to your phone calls, your predictions, which games you're looking forward to. Again, 414-799-1250. Ryan Horvath with you until 8 p.m. Tweet at the show at 105.7 FM. The fan, Sam Schmitz, joining me alongside producing the show. He's going to give his predictions here shortly as well. Week 1, Sunday, September 13th, a noon kickoff. Packers at the Vikings. 
Week 2, Sunday, September 20th, another noon kickoff. The Packers take on the Detroit Lions at Lambeau Field. That game will be on Fox. So Weeks 1, Weeks 2 on Fox. Week 3, Sunday, September 27th, Sunday Night Football. Packers taking on the Saints on NBC. Week 4, October 5th. Close to my birthday, 7.15 p.m., another primetime game. So two primetime games back-to-back as the Packers take on the Saints Week 3 and then the Atlanta Falcons Week 4 in Atlanta, 7.15, the kickoff on ESPN for Monday Night Football. Week 6, now you get a Week 5 bye, which I like because I was on the Wendy's Big Show and Gary Ellerson breaks down these the season in quarters. So after those four weeks right there, the Vikings, the Lions, the Saints, and Atlanta, you get a nice bye week. And then you head into week six, Sunday, October 18th, the game that I have circled on my schedule. will be on Fox, 325 kickoff, the game of the week. The Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road in Tampa Bay. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, could be the final time. Don't get it a whole lot. I'm excited for that one, and you get a bye week right before it. Then the Packers take the road once again. They take on the Houston Texans. That game will be on Fox. Another noon kickoff on October 25th. Aaron Rodgers taking on Deshaun Watson. Looking forward to that one. Seeing how Bill O'Brien manages to lose that game towards the end. Week 8, Packers-Vikings once again. That'll be a noon kickoff Sunday, November 1st. And then Thursday night football, November 5th, 720. It's the rematch. Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers. On Fox, once again, this game will be played in San Francisco. Packers don't have such great luck playing on the road. Aaron Rodgers as well. Uh, Week 10, Packers-Jags. That game will be a noon kickoff at Lambeau Field. Week 11, Packers once again hit the road. They'll take on the Indianapolis Colts. That's a noon kickoff Sunday, November 22nd on Fox. Week 12, Packers-Bears. So you don't see the Chicago Bears until Week 12, and that'll be a primetime game Sunday night football at Lambeau Field, 7:20 kickoff. Week 13, Packers get a rematch against the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, you get them at Lambeau Field. Uh, one of the three losses in the regular season for Green Bay last year came to Philadelphia, and that game will be a 3:25 kickoff, not primetime this year. Week 14, Sunday, December 13th, Packers take on the Lions in Detroit, a rematch from Week 2. And then Week 15, you get Packers, the Packers taking on the Carolina Panthers, uh, that could be either December 19th or the 20th. See if that game gets flexed. That's to be determined. Week 16, another primetime matchup. Packers take on the Tennessee Titans. Matt LaFleur takes on the team he was the offensive coordinator for before taking the job in Green Bay. And then Week 17, Packers close out the season on the road, taking on the Bears. Right now, that's a noon kickoff, Sunday, January 3rd. So you have to travel to Soldier Field, Week 17, one of the crappier fields in the NFL with probably brutal weather and that win. 414-799-1250. We'll go out to the south side, talk with Mike. Mike, you've seen the schedule. What catches your eye, buddy? So, uh, short week with, uh, from Minnesota to San Francisco. You know, even though Minnesota's at home with us, you know, it's still a short week going into San Francisco. That's a tough one. And the early bye week. I, I don't like that. But it's still a favorable schedule for the Packers. I actually really do like it. You know, usually I agree. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like the early bye week, but I will take it after going to New Orleans and then playing Atlanta. I don't mind it as much because I think Atlanta's going to be a much better team. But no, I'm with you. What were you saying, Mike? Yeah, I, I'm looking at eleven and five. Eleven and five. Just, uh, man, from I'll a quick glance, a little bit more studying, and maybe I'll, I'll put it up to twelve, twelve and four. 
Yeah, see, what scares me is just the division games because he had such such success in the division last year. I mean, the Packers went 6-0 and in the division last year for the first time since 2011. There have been 21 prior cases of a team going 6-0 and in their own division since the league went to this new structure back in 2002. Just one of those teams since, you know, 21 prior cases, a team actually went 6-0 and in their division. But only one other time since 2002 has a team done it two years in a row. That was the 2013 Colts. You know, the other 21 teams won an average of three games or something like that the next year after going 6-0 and in the division. So I do expect... You know, maybe Minnesota gets you at least once this year. Maybe the Bears figure it out. It's just going to be t- tough to stay healthy and tough to dominate the division two years in a row, in my opinion. I have us losing to Minnesota. That was one of our losses in the 11-5. and five. Which one? So, you think that they get I, beat week I, I, one? I think they're going to get us in week one. With no fans in attendance, though, possibly? Yeah. yeah, I think they'll get us in week one. I can see it, man. Well, hey, Mike, thanks for the phone call, buddy. Looking forward to talking with you again this week. Oh, hey, hey well, um, I don't know. I'll see you in the morning. I'll give you a call. Sounds good, buddy. 414-799-1250. He drops off. You guys could pop on. Sam Schmidt's predicting the show. Sam, I want to win-loss this uh, record. I know we got a couple guys coming on. We're going to talk with Rob Reichel. We're still going to talk with uh, Rob Reichel from Forbes.com, Conley Media, as well as Ryan Wood from PackersNews.com, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. So we're going to win-loss this bad boy. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on, though. As you look at this schedule, what sticks out or what game do you have circled? The first one that I have circled is the Week 3 game against the Saints. I just don't think we ever play well in New Orleans, so I have that one pretty much chalked up as a loss. It'll be close, maybe, but I think New Orleans is just too well-powered on offense compared to us. Uh, the game against Tampa Bay, I have them losing. I do think it'll be a shootout, but I think overall Tampa Bay will win that game just on their defense. Trying to think what else. Do you think Tampa Bay is going to be good? You know, I don't have them winning the NFC South, but I do think that they will. They could be a wild card team in my in my eyes. I think they'll be nearly as good as everyone predicts them to be, but they still have holes in the secondary on defense. I don't buy their running game, so there are there are holes in that team. Yeah, what scares me about the Packers is, like, I was all in on them, and everybody kept telling me this isn't that good of a football team. They win ugly, but they were still a 13-win team. But I go back, and, you know, now that you've had some time to sit back and kind of recap the year, and you look at the embarrassing loss to the Niners, uh, both losses to the Niners were embarrassing. The loss to the Chargers was embarrassing. The one against the Eagles early on in the season didn't really bother me a whole lot. But even with a 13-3 and record, the Packers only outscored their opponents by a total of 63 points. And Bill Barnwell did this for ESPN. He does really good stuff and used all the metrics. Usually, if you outscore your opponents by 63 points, anywhere in that range, you win 9.7 games. So you're usually a 10-6 and football team at best. The Packers just won a lot of ugly games, but they also had a lot of luck. I mean, opposing offenses started their Week 1 quarterback 11 times against the Packers. So five times you faced backup quarterbacks. Most notably, they went up against Matt Moore rather than Patrick Mahomes, beat the Chiefs 31-24, but that was a good game. And Matt Moore kept the Chiefs in that game. Uh, I mean, thanks to Andy Reid's play calling. But they did, again, face a backup quarterback and not one of the MVPs of the you know last two years. And Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes, who won the Super Bowl last year. They barely got past the Chiefs. They barely beat David Blau, who was filling in for Matthew Stafford. They barely beat Kyle Allen, who was Carolina's quarterback last year, filling in for Cam Newton, who's now gone. But then Kyle Allen, a couple weeks later, was benched, and they went to Will Greer. So he wasn't very you know great. And so I think that there was just a lot of luck last year, and that's what scares me when I look at the schedule this year. What are your, I guess, your two games that you were most 
uh, you couldn't figure out really that when you look at those weeks, you're like, eh, I don't really know about that one. Cause my two, when I look at that Philadelphia game at home, I do think that they're obviously they're going to want revenge for last year, but man, Philly was banged up last year. And when they're fully healthy, especially on offense, that one's tough for me. And then another one was Indianapolis. They're going to be an interesting team this year. I mean, with Phillip Rivers, at quarterback, Jonathan Taylor is going to be splitting with Marlon Mack, that offensive line, and then DeForest Buckner on defense. I couldn't really figure that one out either. Yeah, and for some reason, the Packers struggle against Phillip Rivers. I mean, he carved them up, and, and it was a disastrous yeah. season for Phillip Rivers, I mean, as far as the interception numbers go last year and turning the ball over. But I actually, before Andrew Luck retired, I predicted that the Colts were going to win the Super Bowl. I just love what they did in the draft the three years previously where they solidified the offensive line. I love Nelson. And their pass rush is solid, so defensively they're a good team. And then I was all in on Jacoby Brissett, and they were great the first four weeks of the season. I was like, yeah. they're going to be the surprise team. Then he injured his knee, mm-hmm. and then he struggled with his accuracy, and then now they've moved on and went to Phillip Rivers. Yeah, the Colts do scare me a little bit. I think, again, like the Colts, I look at them like I look at the Lions. Maybe they win 11 games. Yeah. Maybe the Rivers experiments a disaster, and they win four games. Um you know, the one that I, I'm with you on Philadelphia, because Philadelphia, like you said, they were banged up on that Thursday night. They didn't even have any healthy wide receivers. No, I think Nelson Aguilar was their wide receiver, too, going into that week. Yeah. I had him on fantasy, and I thankfully didn't start him that week. But, yeah, I mean, they had Deshaun Jackson was supposed to be their number two. He had a great week one, but then he just could never get back in the field. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, it's going to be an interesting year because they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. I'm all in on Carson Wentz. I think when healthy, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. The problem is they just don't protect him, and he's always running for his life. So Philly scares me. I could see the defense having trouble with Carson Wentz because he could get out of the pocket. He's got a good arm. It just depends what kind of weapons they have that are healthy. And then people are going to laugh at me week two, even with the Lions coming to Lambeau Field. Like, everybody laughs at the Lions. You have to remember that – Packers went two years without beating the Lions. Like, yeah, they went 2-0 and against the Lions last year, but what happened the previous years? And you could say, you know, Rodgers was injured. The McCarthy, the year where McCarthy gets fired two years ago was just a disastrous season. They couldn't beat anybody. They lost the Arizona Cardinals uh, at home at Lambeau Field, for yeah. example. But I think the Lions, I really like what they did in the draft. Mm-hmm. I like Okuda. I probably would have took Tua with the third overall pick. But I love Swift, and you pair him with on Johnson. You have two of the best, two young running backs in the league. Um, not sold on the offensive line. And defensively, they actually have to stay healthy. I don't think Patricia is a very good coach, but I think the Lions could be the surprise team in the NFC North. Yeah, I agree with you. I got the I got them splitting with the Lions, and I got them splitting with the Minnesota Vikings on the season series. I just don't. I can't see them going undefeated in the NFC North again. I, no, I mean, since 2002, only one other team has went undefeated in the division twice, and that was the Colts, and that was back in 2013 or whatever I said. So it's tough to do, and it's tough to stay healthy. They stayed healthy last year, and like I said, they had a little bit of luck. You face Matt Moore, not Patrick Mahomes. You know, you don't face Cam Newton, who, even though Cam Newton can't throw a ball over 25 yards these days with the shoulder, uh, for some reason he always has success against Green Bay and tears them apart. All right, 414-799-1250. We'll continue to take your phone calls, your predictions. You could also tweet at the show at 1057FM, the fan. Sam Schmitz, Ryan Horvath with you for another hour. We're going to talk with Rob Reichel coming up this hour. We're going to talk with Ryan Wood, and we'll take your phone calls here on the Schedule Release Show. You're listening to 1057FM, the fan. When will the Packers play Chicago? And Trubisky is going to get taken down short of the first half. He can't get out of the backfield. How about Minnesota? Find out now on the Packers Schedule Release Show with Ryan Horvat on the fan. All 
Oh, the Packers schedule officially released. We're breaking it down with you until 8 p.m. Ryan Horvath joined by Sam Schmitz, as well as your phone calls, 414-799-1250. Tweet at the show at 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm at Ryan Horvath. We welcome in now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Rob Reichel. You can find his work, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Rob, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing tonight? I am great. How are you, Ryan? I'm pretty good. Um, glad that we have something to talk about that isn't KBO, League Baseball, or horse racing. Uh, not quite live sports, but I'll take what we could get right now, Rob. So the schedule is released. I know you've only had a couple minutes uh, really to look at it, although we did get some leaks earlier. What jumps out or stands out to you? Uh, you know, Ryan, a couple of things. The, the bye is really early in week five, which is obviously not what anybody wants uh, from a player standpoint. They'll They'll have a they'll have kind of a grueling stretch after that. It'll, it'll be a grinder, um, you know. But that that buy in week five, Ryan, is the earliest they've had since 2016. They had it in week four that year. Obviously, they'd love it to be more toward the middle of the season. It's it's not. And and Ryan, really, the the first half of the season is is going to be tricky for these guys. You know, five five of their opponents in the first eight weeks were playoff teams from a year ago. Week one at Minnesota. Week three at New Orleans. Um, you know, Minnesota again in, in week eight at San Francisco in week nine. And, and I missed, uh, the, the Texans there in, in week seven. That, that'll be another road game. So the Vikings twice and, and really three road games, Ryan, Saints, Texans and 49ers. Um, I, honestly, Ryan, if they get through that stretch four and four, five and three, it, it opens up nicely for them to maybe win five, six in a row there once they make the turn. Uh, and, and hit the back nine there with, with some of those teams like Jacksonville and, and the Lions and the Panthers and, and people like that. But, but Ryan, they, they could get buried early, and, and they're, they're going to have to really, you know, obviously be focused and be careful be careful of that because if they make the turn three and five or something like that, the Vikings are, and Bears are six and two or something like that, they're, they're really going to be challenged in, the, in that second half to, to make up ground. But they're, they're going to be road, uh, road underdogs in, in, a, in a number of these games early, Ryan. We didn't even mention Tampa Bay, which has the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl right now after the additions of Brady and Gronkowski. So that, that first half of the, of the schedule for them, Ryan, is, is really going to be a beast. Yeah, and Rob, there were a lot of rumors flying around this week that maybe the first four weeks of the season would be the AFC versus the NFC, but instead you get two games right off the bat, the Vikings week one and then the Lions week two. You know, the Packers last season, they went 6-0 and in the division for the first time since 2011. And regardless of what you think of Minnesota, who lost nine starters, or Detroit, who they're Detroit, you, do you think the division's a little bit better this year? Like, do you expect the Packers to have that same kind of dominance? Because it's just so hard to go undefeated in the division. Yeah, I mean, you know, only one team has done it, I think, two years in a row, went undefeated in the division two years in a row, and that was the Colts, and it was back in 2013. Ryan, I don't think the division is better. I mean, I think the top two teams in the division are worse. I think Green Bay is worse after after a rough off season here. And, I, and like you mentioned, Minnesota losing the nine starters. They were they were really picked apart on defense. They, they lost their number one wide receiver, Diggs, in a trade. I, I think, you know, they were 10-6 and six in a wildcard team, but won a playoff game. I, I think they're worse. I, now, I think Detroit and Chicago will close the gap there. Like, I, I don't think anybody goes 6-0 and in the division, for example, this year, Ryan. I, I think maybe a 5-1 and one, probably a couple of 4-2, and two, something like that. But it's going to be hard. I think Detroit will be better. They're they're still going to be a six seven win team, but but Ryan, they were about five hundred last year when Stafford went down and 
and I think he had thrown for about 2,500 yards in the first eight weeks of the season before he had that back injury. And, and he'll make them he'll make them much better. And, and Chicago's really the wild card, Ryan. I mean, it, it, two years ago they win the division, as, as everybody knows, in, in 2018, thanks to that sensational defense and, you know, just, just a solid run game, and they asked the quarterback not to screw it up. Well, they'll have much better quarterback play this year, I would assume, with Foles. And even though I don't think the defense is quite at the level it was in 18, I, I think the Bears are a real threat again. I, I, I see Green Bay, Chicago, and, and Minnesota, Ryan, probably separated by two games max when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think there's just going to be so much parity in the league this year, and especially because we don't know what the offseason – or, well, we know what the offseason looks like. We don't know what the training schedule is going to look like. You look at last year, 13-3, and but the Packers only outscored their opponents by a total of 63 points, which Bill Barnwell from ESPN did some did a good piece this week that usually that equals 9-10 to 10 wins. You know, if you're barely squeaking by, if you look at the dominant teams last year, San Francisco and definitely Baltimore, they were just beating up on teams where the Packers were squeaking by, and they had a lot of breaks. I mean, you face Matt Moore in Kansas City rather than Patrick Mahomes. You know, you face Kyle Allen rather than Cam Newton last year. When you look at the schedule, do you think the Packers could be a number one or number two seed in the NFC, or do you think that this is more a nine or ten win team this year? Yeah, I, I don't think they're a number one or two seed the way the way things are currently constructed. No, I didn't think they were this, at this time last year either, though, Ryan, right? right. I mean, they, they were coming off a of back-to-back non-playoff season, 13-18-1, and one, and in the 17-18 and 18 seasons combined, nobody nobody saw 13-3 and three coming, but, but you hit it exactly right. They, they caught a lot of breaks last year, not just Ryan in, in terms of who they missed and Remember, too, they missed Alvin Cook when they went up to Minnesota. That, that was kind of a game-changer when they went to the Vikings late in the season. But, Ryan, they didn't have anybody hurt. I mean, the, the, right. the only preferred starter they had that, that wound up missing the season was Lane Taylor, and he was going to get passed in the first month anyways by Alston Jenkins. So, um, you know, Green Bay was so remarkably fortunate last year when it, when it came to health um, that they caught a ton of breaks in this game uh, or, or in the course of the season – they, um, you know, they, they were terrific, Ryan, in terms of turnover differential, which which wins you some football games. They didn't turn it over; they they took it away, um, and they found a way. What, what were they? I think you know, eight and one or something in one score games, whatever the whatever the numbers were. Eventually, you know, history tells you that that kind of levels itself; it evens itself out. It's really hard to keep winning games by three, four, six, eight points like the Packers did last year. Um, you know, I I still think they're a playoff team, Ryan. But but I think there's four or five teams in in the NFC that that Green Bay is going to have a hard time finishing ahead of. You know, starting obviously with the 49ers and, and the Seahawks and and the Saints and Tampa Bay is going to be obviously much improved and in Philadelphia. So they're going to have their hands full. Um, but again, if you win your division, you're a top four and. And that's got to be goal number one. Rob, what a great point right there. They were 6-1 and one in games decided by seven points or fewer last year. And they had two additional wins by eight points. So, I mean, you could even throw that in there. But before, Aaron Rodgers with 34-34-1 in starts decided by seven points or fewer before the 2019 season. So it's just so tough to win those close games, like you said. Um, which, you know, we talked a little bit about the NFC North, but when you look at the rest of the schedule, if you're a fan, you know, and you're not covering the team, which game really sticks out to you? Because I'm excited, obviously, for Brady Rodgers, because I think it could be the final time we see it, and we don't get it very often. Yeah, it could wind up being a playoff game, too, here over the next right. couple of years. I mean, that, 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 that's a remarkably fun game. In terms of what jumps out on, on the schedule, whether home or away, Ryan, yeah, that. That I would kind of circle with it without question. They've got to find a way to solve the 49er bugaboo if, if they're going to make any kind of noise 
you know, in, inside inside the NFC. You know, I, I would highly recommend to people to make that drive down to Indianapolis. It's only four hours from Milwaukee for that game in Week 11. The Colts are a terrific team. That's a fun stadium to go to go visit. It's a nice, easy road trip for people. Um, you know, maybe people have never seen Philip Rivers. He's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer. Indianapolis is really good. You get a look at Jonathan Taylor. I like that game a lot. Ryan, going going back, uh, you know, later in the later in the season, Philly comes back to Green Bay, much like last year. Um, you remember what a terrific game that was with the Eagles winning in in the final seconds when when they picked off Rodgers late in the, in the end zone. That game's going to probably be, uh, you know, ha- have real seeding implications when it comes down to it. And and then Tennessee is, really jumps out to me again in Week 16. You remember how hot they got last year after they made the switch to Tannehill and Derrick Henry pounding away. Um, that, that that's an up and coming team. That that that's a team that's going to challenge in in the AFC. I, I don't think they're quite at the level of of the Chiefs and the Ravens, but but they're not that far behind. I, I think that's a really fun game in in late December. And and if Green Bay Ryan makes the switch that that they're talking about of trying to be more fifty fifty, you know, run run pass balance. Tennessee's already got that model working. You're you're going to almost see mirror images of each other that day at Lambeau Field. Rob, I know we're obviously rooting for fans to be in attendance. I don't know how likely that is, but when you look at the schedule, I almost feel like, and I don't want to say this, that the Packers kind of luck out because if you get Minnesota week one on the road and there's nobody in that crowd, I mean, imagine Aaron Rodgers giving a hard count with nobody in attendance whatsoever. And we all know they pump in fake crowd noise, but you also get the Saints on the road Sunday night football week three, September 27th. I mean... Obviously, we're rooting for fans to be in attendance, but do you think that that would make any difference playing a tough team like the Saints on the road in the Dome? I mean, they'll have all that speed on the turf still, but the crowd noise there is just so ridiculous. And same thing in Minnesota. Do you think that maybe that gives the Packers a little bit of an advantage for two road games? Because later on in the season, you got a bunch of home games, and maybe that's when you can get fans in the in, in, in the stands. Yeah, and you know, I hadn't even mentioned that Ryan late late in the year. If you know, if Green Bay is able to take this model that Lafleur wants and, and be a run first team, or at least a fifty fifty split there, it, and and it pans out for them, and they're a top eight, a top six, a top ten running offense, you know, it really does play well for them late in the season with 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 so many home games. But you're exactly right. I hadn't given that a ton of thought of, in terms of opening in those two domes and potentially, you know, no fans or even Ryan a Miami model like the Dolphins are talking about a fifteen thousand fans spread out, and you know, it's it, it's going to be far quieter in in those stadiums would be a huge advantage, I think, for Green Bay. Um, Those places get so crazy loud. Rodgers has done okay in in Minneapolis, but Green Bay has been miserable in its last couple of trips uh, to New Orleans to face the Saints uh, down there. So I think that could could be huge for them. And you you know Tampa's people are going to turn out like crazy uh, to watch Brady in in Week 6. That's a really tough road game. If all of a sudden now there's 15,000 people at that game instead of 70,000, those are absolutely huge, I think, uh, ramifications for the potential home team in those games, Ryan. I, you make a great point there. I, I think that could really play into Green Bay's favor. Rob, thanks so much for giving us some time tonight, man. We'll talk again soon. All right, guys. Have fun with the show. Thank thanks. you, sir. That's Rob Reichel. You can find him on Twitter, at Rob Reichel, author of eight books on the Green Bay Packers, and you can find his work for Forbes.com as well as Conley Media. Joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. 414-799-1250.
your predictions. Which game do you have circled? Which game? If you could attend a game, would you attend? We want to take your phone calls, your social media reaction coming up. We'll also talk with Ryan Wood, PackersNews.com, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Get his thoughts on the Packers schedule as well on the release show. You're listening to the Packers Schedule Release Show with Ryan Horvat on The Fan. Ryan Horvat with you until 8 p.m. Full lines open, 414-799-1250. Tweet at the show at 1057FM, The Fan. I'm at Ryan Horvat. We got Sam Schmitz producing the show. We're going to give our predictions coming up here. At 1057FM, The Fan, Luke... His predicted record, 16-0. Rodgers completes 97% of his passes, throws for 6,200 yards. Would be 100% if not for some Devin Funches drops. I like that prediction. Slim, he predicts 5-3. and three. Doesn't think we're going to get a full season. We will not have those negative thoughts tonight, Sam. Not only will we get a 16-game schedule, not only will we get an exposed, uh, expanded postseason, but the Packers may go undefeated this season. Fire Goot, love that handle says, I want to be optimistic, but I also think there might be a step back in year two under LaFleur. I'm predicting 8-8. Eight and eight. Roy says 8-8. Eight and eight. Tweets at 105.7 FM, the fan. Cone Roller, just tuned in, Ryan Horvath. Loving the sound of you live. Love you listening and appreciate everybody listening, everybody calling in tonight. Eric says 9-7. and seven. Craig says 9-7. and seven. You know, Sam, I look, a lot of 9-7s, and sevens, a lot of 10-6. and six. A lot of people think that this is still a good football team but there's going to be a little bit of regression. I brought up that number that they only outscored their opponents by 63 points last year, won a lot of close games, also faced five different backup quarterbacks, David Blau, Matt Moore. You luck out not having to see Patrick Mahomes. What do you think as far as regression goes? Do you think that do you think that this is a playoff football team, I guess is what I'm asking you. I still do. I think they can end up still winning the division, but it's going to be I mean, it's going to be tough. I agree with you. They're going to be right up there at the Vikings and the and the Lions. But I mean, you've been mentioning it multiple times, a couple days and all that. They got so lucky with injuries last year and staying healthy because as far as I can remember, every Packers NFC Championship game that we've lost in the last couple of years, I mean, I still have nightmares about Ladarius Gunter on Julio Jones. Um, so I do. I did try to account for a couple of injuries and all that, but still, there's a couple of teams that, yeah, they got new toys and they got new offensive weapons, but I still like our chances against them, all things considered. Right. It's all about staying healthy, but that's the problem. It's so hard to stay healthy two years in a row. The Bears last season were a great example of that because Akeem Hicks got hurt. You know, Cleo Mack was banged up, and their offense was a disaster. But what they did two years ago when they won the NFC North was they led the league in takeaways. And that's tough to do because you could give up yards in today's NFL, but you got to take the ball away if you're going to be giving up 200 yards on the ground. And that's what the Packers are going to have to do. But you mentioned the injuries. You know, after forced, being forced to play defensive backs off the street because of injuries in 2018, and that was one of Aaron Rodgers' finest seasons, in my opinion, because that was a bad football team. And you take that team to the NFC Championship game, or the year that, you know, you lose to Atlanta on the road. But last season, I mean, Oren Burks tore a pec muscle in the preseason. So that was your big injury, Oren Burks. Darnell Savage Jr., who was a rookie, missed two games. Kevin King, who... I mean, his first couple of years in Green Bay has struggled to stay on the field. He only missed one game last year. And then B.J. Goodson, uh, who was filling in for Oren Burks, missed one game. So, right, you were completely healthy last year. You know, Zadarius would go down, but he would always pop back up. He gave me a stomach ulcer because every single game he was down for an extended period of time. They'd bring out the training staff, and he'd look dead, like like helmet in the ground, and then he would just be fine, miraculously. Um, 
But yeah, I, and then you look at Caesar's Sportsbook, and, and, and you know some of these sportsbooks only have the Packers at eight and a half wins, which is four and a half wins below their 2020 record. So I think that there might be some regression, but I still I agree. I think this is a good football team. When you look in the division, who scares you the most? Because Minnesota lost nine starters, but losing Stephon Diggs could be a terrible thing because he's a top 20 receiver in the league at least. But also, if you take him out of the locker room and you don't have to target him all the time, it might be a good thing because there was a lot of drama in that locker room with Kirk Cousins having to go on the radio show, on the podcast, and apologize to Adam Thielen and Diggs because he wasn't targeting them enough. Um, so I think that Minnesota may regress losing nine starters, or it may be a good thing as far as chemistry in that locker room. The Bears, I don't know what they're doing. Defensively, if they could take the ball away, I think they'll be solid. They're going to have to get after the quarterback. Khalil Mack will have to have a bounce back year because he didn't really have a Khalil Mack season last year. A lot of that because they were out of playoff contention later on in the year, and I think he was half-assing it, and he was banged up. I like what the Lions are doing, but I said that last year. I just I'm high on Kenny Galladay. I really, really, really like the backfield with Kerryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift. Now he might be my favorite back outside of Jonathan Taylor, uh, taken in this draft. So I think honestly the Lions maybe. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I think the Lions I may. Know. I think they may be the surprise team in the NFC. I though. mean, I, I was gonna say the Lions, but I just I mean, there's just still so like you're saying, there's so many question marks. I'm not sold on Matt Patricia. Right. I like their team, but I don't think that he should be their head coach after the season. Um, interested to see what Jeff Okuda does in his year one. Um, but I still am more afraid of the Vikings. They lost Xavier Rhodes. They lost Everson Griffin, a bunch of their defensive weapons that were kind of becoming liabilities. And honestly, I can't believe how well they drafted. I think they'll be fine without Kevin Stefanski in year one. Uh, I think they're just going to go back to, uh, was it a Wizenhunt kind yeah. of offense with Zimmer before? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... All things considered, Minnesota really scares me, man. I mean, Jefferson, I think he's actually going to be a little bit better for Minnesota because I think he's just going to be more of a possession receiver as to what Diggs was, kind of the deep threat. Right, right. Well, he's, everything he does is going to pretty much be out of the slot. 109 receptions at LSU last year just out of the slot. And he also, what I, man, why I wanted Justin Jefferson is what he does after the catch, though. Yeah. I mean, after the catch, I think he forced – the most ta- most missed tackles in the nation from the wide receiver position. He had 25 touchdowns in two years at LSU. I mean, last year in that offense, I probably could have caught eight from Joe Burrow just because of the way that uh, they, they opened things up there with the passing coordinator, Joe Brady, and whatnot. But I agree. I think he's going to have a monster year. He's so good at the 50-50 ball, too. When you watch his college highlight reel, I mean, if, if it's up in the air, he's going to come down with it, especially in the red zone. That's what people really underestimate about Jefferson and his game. I know, and that's why I like CeeDee Lamb so much, too. And they're not even big guys. They're like 6'1", 6'2". They're not these 6'5", 6'6", guys, but they could go up there and get the ball. I agree, and just with the speed. You know, but I was upset that the Packers didn't take a wide receiver in this draft. I really was, but the more I think about it, and you think of these December-January games at Lambeau Field, and you think of A.J. Dillon pounding the ball, and you wear out the defense already with Aaron Jones. I do still want them to find ways to get Jamal Williams on the field, even if it's third down for pass protection. I do like what he brings to the table. I would expect Dexter Williams is probably cut. I don't know how many running yeah. backs you're going to – because you got Tyler no. Irvin. And you're keeping I didn't him. see anything out of Dexter last year. It's like, yeah, he might still have a chance to hang on the roster. I think I agree with you. I think Jamal's the better pass catcher. Yeah, and I'm hoping that they find ways to still keep him on the field because you're going to have to keep Irvin because that's going to be your punt returner and your kick returner, and we don't want to experiment – there because we all remember the nightmare that was the first 10 weeks of the season when you had Tremont Williams returning punts and whatnot. But see, that's the thing. Like I was upset that they didn't go wide receiver in the draft, but at the same time, and and I know it was year one in the floor system. They probably should have, they probably should have put up more points and I wanted the offense to look better under year one under the floor, but offense wasn't the problem for the Packers. 
Like offensively, they finished eighth in offensive DVOA. They're fifteenth in defensive DVO DVOA. But the problem that I have, the more I think about it, I wish that they would have got Kenny Clark paired somebody on on the defensive line with Kenny Clark, another D tackle, yeah. or maybe you know take Patrick Queen at the inside linebacker position because Christian Kirksey. While I like what I saw from him four years ago, mm-hmm. he's played nine games the last two years, and you're adding him to a Packers defense that finished twenty third in run defense and then gave up 285 yards and four touchdowns in the NFC title game. And I think that, if anything, they got worse on the defensive line and at the inside linebacker position. I know we had a caller that said he thinks that uh, Kirksey will be an upgrade from Blake Martinez. I was a Blake Martinez guy. I just think that, if anything, you should have kept Blake and got another inside linebacker to play with him because it ain't Oren Burks. I don't know about Ty Summers. I've only seen him in preseason action and on special teams. So I think that, if anything, I'm more concerned with the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball because you're going to have to take the ball away and you're going to have to stay healthy because the only reason Green Bay, because they gave up a ton of rushing yards. Yeah. I mean, you kind of shut down Christian McCaffrey when Carolina came to town because if you keep, if you keep McCaffrey under 150 yards on the ground, that's shutting him down or at least containing him. But the Packers, what they did last year and the reason they were able to succeed on defense despite giving up a whole bunch of yards like they always do, they forced the league's third highest interception rate. They were the fourth best defense at holding teams to field goals in the red zone. And if you could shut teams down in the red zone and keep them out of the end zone and hold them to field goals, you're going to win games in the NFL. And they took the ball away. They forced turnovers. That's what the Bears did a couple of years ago when they stayed healthy and won the NFC North. So I think it comes down to staying healthy and taking the ball away or improving the run defense. And I just I don't think they did that in the draft or in uh, free agency, obviously, by not picking anybody up. They made Jordan Howard last year look like an all-pro. I know. I mean, that's what... I was more frustrated too with the Jordan Love pick. Is it Mostert look like a Yeah, for real. I mean, I did want a wide receiver or an offensive weapon in the first round, but if they didn't do that, I wanted defensive lineman or linebacker because I love the Kirksey edition, but we all know he's injury prone. I just don't trust that death behind him, and I want to get Kenny Clark help. I'm kind of curious what they're going to do with Rashawn Gary, if they're going to move him inside or not. I'm kind of curious to see what kind of season Kenny Clark has because if he stays healthy, and I mean, he had a monster year last year, if he puts up similar numbers this year and he stays on the field, I don't know if they're going to be able to afford Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari. Corey yeah. Lindsley's all but gone. That's why they went back-to-back-to-back linemen, because mm-hmm. Lindsley's going to probably want $10 million a year. Bakhtiari's probably going to get seventeen million to $18 million a year. And I don't know what Kenny Clark's going to get, because you look at what some of these other guys are getting paid, he's going to want that money and more, especially at his age, and it's going to be his first real big contract. Again, going back, like I did these numbers, and... and um, you know, with with wide receiver, I wanted Ceedee Lamb, I wanted Jerry Judy, I wanted Justin Jefferson. When they weren't available, I don't really mind not going receiver because the wide receivers drafted between picks twenty one through thirty one from drafts two thousand and nine to two thousand and eighteen. Like you have Hakeem Hicks, Percy Harvin, Kenny Britt, Demarius Thomas, Jonathan Baldwin, Cordell Patterson. Kelvin Ridley, DJ Moore, these are some examples. Then you do get a diamond in the rough, 2013, DeAndre Hopkins, and then you get 2010, Des Bryant, but they're usually just role players, and they're usually just another version of MVS. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Ryan Wood, break down the schedule with him, PackerNews.com, the Green Bay Press Gazette, all coming up next here on The Fan. You're listening to the Packers Schedule Release Show with Ryan Horvath on The Fan. Ryan Orbaugh with you for about 29 more minutes to be exact. Phone lines are open. 414-799-1250 is the Packers schedule has been released. 
We now go out to the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. We welcome in Ryan Wood from the Green Bay Press-Gazette, PackersNews.com. You can follow him at ByRyanWood on Twitter. Ryan, how you doing tonight, man? Doing well. Yeah, hopefully this uh, this schedule gets played. It's uh, always a fun time of year when you see what's going to happen. Give me a percentage-wise. What do you think? 80% sure we're going to get an NFL season, 70%? How optimistic are you? I'll be totally honest. It would be a pure guess. I, honestly, I have no idea. You know, I could see about a million scenarios play out, and there's all kinds of variations. I mean, one, the season starts on time, nobody in the stands, no media in the press box. I could see that happen. Uh, I could see where they, you know, try to make it work, and and they come up with some scheme to keep six feet of distance. They, it seems really hard. And and if they if they did have fans in the stands. I mean, who's going to buy concessions in this type of climate? You know, that, that, that's, that's right. a, I think, a fair question as well. So there, there's a million things I could see happen. It's, it's a pure guess at this point. Yeah, and there were a lot of different rumors flying around all week, and I was talking about this earlier. You know, we saw a report from, uh, I think it was John Clayton had it, that the first four weeks possibly we were going to put the AFC against the NFC. That doesn't end up being the case. You got back-to-back division games to start the season. Did that surprise you, or what surprised you the most about this schedule with what we're dealing with? It, it did. It did surprise me that you have really meaningful games. I mean, look, an opener at Minnesota, that's going to have huge implications, I mean, you would think. Right. I mean, it's always subject to change here in, in April, but or excuse me, May. It is Usually it's in April. But it, it, that, that's, a, that's a huge implication game in week one. I, that, you know, last year it decided the NFC North, and it could decide the NFC North in 2020 as well. I and mean, that, that first game could be a tiebreaker. So, yeah, it's it's um it, it was surprising to see that many uh important games lined up in, in the beginning. It gives you I think a tell that the league feels somewhat good about getting the season in and and certainly that the league would be okay with pushing back the start of the season if it came to that and still playing a full 16 game schedule that maybe goes into February, you know, maybe goes in a month later. Uh, again, that's that's pure speculation. We have I, I don't think anyone at this point, including the league, really can know what's going to happen. But the league clearly wants to get all 16 games in, and they're putting some really important games right at the forefront. Right. We're talking with Ryan Wood, PackersNews.com. But uh, I was talking about this with Rob Reichel earlier, and we're rooting for fans to be in attendance. And, and we're not rooting for COVID-19 here. But when you look at the first quarter of the season, those first four weeks, like you look at Packers Vikings week one in Minnesota, if fans can't be in attendance for the first month of the season, but then let's say, you know, December 6th, then all of a sudden fans could come into the crowd. Like, how big of an advantage is that for Green Bay? Because week one, you go to Minnesota, one of the tougher places to play. And not only that, but you look at week three, a, a Sunday night football game against the Saints, also one of the tougher places to play. I feel like you luck out not having to go on the road and play with anybody in attendance. I, I yeah absolutely yeah. If week three is no one's in attendance in the Superdome, that's huge. Right. And obviously, U.S. Bank Stadium, which has been a house of course too. I think though, even on on more of a macro level than that, it, the first the first blush that, that I had at the schedule, there's there's only one back to back road week the entire season as it's scheduled right now, and that's obviously Tampa Bay in Houston, which first of all is different than Tampa Bay San Francisco. Right. I mean we. We've seen this Packers team have some really grueling mileage racked up on them in consecutive weeks in the in the recent past, and and that that's that's much different. But two, that game, that that Tampa Bay game, week six, is coming out of the week five bye. So the Packers you know, on this schedule, they they have 
two weeks to prepare for Tom Brady, which is going to be important because who knows what that offense is going to look like with Tom Brady in the middle of it. So you're, to, to me, your, your four toughest road games in theory is week one at Minnesota, week three at New Orleans, week six at Tampa Bay, week nine at San Francisco. All the, none of those are late in the season. So that, that's favorable for the Packers. Two of those, one with the bye in Tampa Bay, one with the opener week one with all offseason prepare, you, you should be relatively healthy and rested and, and, and have extra time to prepare for the, for the matchup. Uh, and the other two, they're, they're preceding a home game, which is also favorable. So uh, I, I think, you know, certainly the week five bye is something the Packers, would, would, if they had it their way, they'd have it a little bit later in the season. But from a road game perspective, it, it's pretty favorable. Right, and they also – we're talking with Ryan Wood, PackerNews.com, the Green Bay Press Gazette. They go 6-0 in the division last year for the first time since 2011. They stay really healthy. I mean, you look at the defensive side of the ball, what did they lose Darnell Savage for two games, B.J. Goodson and Kevin King for only one game. I mean, they stayed healthy, and they held teams to field goals in the red zone. Like, nobody could score on them in the red zone. So that's tough to do two years in a row. I think the Bears proved that last year, uh, the disaster that they were. 6-0 in the division for the first time since 2011. When you look at this schedule and you look at these teams – the Vikings, the Lions, and the Bears after the draft and after free agency, do you think they could have the same type of success this year? And who scares you the most in the division, I guess, if you're a Packer fan? Yeah, I, I, I guess it would still probably be Minnesota. I, I don't think you can sleep on the Bears. We'll see what Nick Foles can do for that offense, obviously, and that's the big question within the, the, within the division, if, if it is Nick Foles. It's either that or Mitch Trubisky shows something he hasn't shown yet, right? right. And, and we'll see if, if he can do that, but I, it's a good division. It's it's going to be another tough division for for the Packers, just as it's been the past few years, uh, because it goes more than one deep. It's not just one team. There are there are divisions where you, you can look. Okay, it's a two horse race. I, I don't think the NFC North is that. So that makes it all the more challenging. Um, boy, all, all eyes are going to be on that Week One game at Minnesota. First time ever the Packers have opened the season at Minnesota. That that could be a phenomenal game. No, I completely agree with you. If you're a fan and you're not covering this team, just as a football fan, which game jumps off the page? Because obviously I think we're all excited for Brady and Rodgers just because we never get it. It never ends up working out. I mean, we could have had it a couple times. And, you know, years back we got Matt Flynn, and he balled out. I mean, he put, he, he broke some records in that game. But still, we want to see Rodgers, Brady. Which game jumps off the page to you? There's a couple I really like, Indianapolis uh, and then Tampa Bay. So, you're right, Rodgers, Brady for sure. I think everyone's going to want to know, the, the, the toughest part of this schedule to me is is that week eight against a very it's at home, but week eight against a very physical Vikings team, and then on a short week's rest, a Thursday night game, going taking a West Coast trip, which we saw this team do a couple years ago in Seattle, this time to the defending NFC North champions in San Francisco. That's obviously going to be a huge game, and, and the schedule makers didn't do them any favors. I mean, they, they got some favors in the schedule. That's not one of them. Right. And then let's let's talk about you know week sixteen, cold weather game against Tennessee, Derrick Henry, uh, barring injury, Derrick Henry coming into Lambeau Field in a cold weather game against this run defense that comes into the season with a lot to prove. That's going to be a very interesting matchup, uh, and, and the fact that it's a Sunday night game as well, that, that that's a that's a matchup that jumps out to me as well. 
Absolutely. Do you think they fare better against the Niners? Again, you have to go to San Francisco, and Rodgers just never plays good in San Fran. You would want that game in Lambeau in cold weather, but it just never ends up working out. You know, I just look at what they did in the NFC title game, rushing for 285 yards, four touchdowns, and I don't think, you know, you could say what you want about Christian Kirksey. I just don't think that they got any better defensively, especially at stopping the run. You think they got a shot this year, or do you think it's going to be kind of the same story as last year, if both teams are healthy, you know, injury aside? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the big caveat is that both teams are healthy. I, look, it's not just the NFC Championship game. It was that game in November as well. Yeah. And what, what was the – in the two games combined, what was the the, the combined score, like 700 to, to 20? I mean, yeah. that, that's what it felt like. So until proven otherwise, it would – you'd have to have, I think, some, some real green and gold colored glasses to, to think that the Packers would go into San Francisco and win – when they weren't even close. Right. It wasn't like they were competitive. They, they weren't. So, uh, no, I mean, as it is right now, that that game sure looks like an L is on that week, but who knows? I mean, it's, it's May. It's May 7th. You have no idea what's going to happen over the next several months. Right. That's what I wanted to ask you, because everybody's so upset about not taking a wide receiver in the first round or in the second round. Well, at all in the NFL draft, but... I was pissed off that they didn't get any help on the defensive line or take Patrick Queen, at inside linebacker. Do you think that this is a good defense? I know that's kind of a stupid question, but when you look at it, they had the league's third-highest interception rate I was just talking about, and they were the fourth-best defense at holding teams to field goals in the red zone. But, I mean, they gave up a lot of yards. Is this a good defense, especially if you do have to deal with an injury to, let's say, Zadarius Smith or Preston Smith? It's really hard to say. Here's, here's one thing that this defense has that – for a long time, it felt like they just didn't. For several years, it felt like they didn't. This defense has playmakers. And if to be a good defense, that's, that's the number one requisite. You have to have playmakers. This defense has that, mm-hmm. and that's a huge deal. They got playmakers at corner. They got playmakers on the edge. That, that, that's very – I mean, that's, that's important. They got Kenny Clark, obviously. He's a Pro Bowl caliber defensive lineman. They made their bones last year in red zone defense, and if you look at it year to year, that if you're great in red zone one year and they were top five last year, you can expect some regression the next year. If there is some regression, that's where it becomes difficult to predict. But I do think that when you look at the totality of the defense, the fact that they do have playmakers, that that's a that's a good that's a good basis to build your defense on. Build it on the playmakers, causing sacks, pass pass rush causing turnovers, those type of things. We, we, we know that this defense can do that, and that's a good place to start. Ryan, I know we're talking with you again tomorrow morning on the Bart Winkler Morning Show, so I won't make you give us a, uh, any predictions or anything like that. But thanks for giving us some time tonight, man. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. That's Ryan Wood, Green Bay Press Gazette, PackersNews.com. You could follow him on Twitter at ByRyanWood on Twitter. Joins us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. I won't make Ryan give us any predictions, but myself, Sam Schmitz, we're going to give ours next because there's no Major League Baseball, there's no NBA playoffs, and this is really all we got. We're back next on The Fan. You're listening to the Packers Schedule Release Show with Ryan Horvat on The Fan. The Schedule Release Show, Ryan Horvat alongside with Sam Schmitz. We're about to give our predictions for the season. A couple things I'm excited for as I look at the league schedule, which I haven't seen the entire schedule. I'm going to probably go home through on the NFL Network myself. 
But the Raiders are scheduled to make their Las Vegas regular season debut in Week 2, Monday Night Football against the Saints. Looking forward to that. And then Week 1, you get Tom Brady and Drew Brees. And it's so crazy they're in the same division. Could be the final year we see this. Uh, Drew Brees, I guarantee. He signed a two-year deal with New Orleans. He's only playing one year. This will be the end of Drew Brees' career, whether they win or not this year, the Saints. I mean, he's got his broadcasting deal all wrapped up. I think this is the final time, final season at least, final two times we'll see Brees and Brady. So I'm excited for that. That's week one right away. As I mentioned, the Raiders make their Las Vegas debut week two. Man, I hope fans are in attendance for that game. I want to see what that looks like. 414-799-1250. We're with you for about 12 more minutes. If you do want to pop on, give your prediction right now. We will give ours. Sam, week one at Minnesota on the road. We don't know if there will be any fans in attendance, but always a tough place to play regardless. You know, this one scares me a little bit, but so did last season, and the Packers found a way to win both of those games. I think Aaron Jones will have a monster game week one, and I think the Packers win on the road. They beat the Vikings to start off the season 1-0. and Yeah, I, I, I have them winning this one week one. I just couldn't figure out. If I had, you know, because I eventually had them splitting. I just couldn't figure out which one matchup they would win or lose. Week two against Detroit. Again, I'm higher on Detroit than most people, but at home at Lambeau Field, I think the Packers win, but they win a close one. The Lions didn't get blown out all year last year. They didn't get blown out to the Chiefs. In fact, they should have beat the Chiefs. They should have beat the Cardinals. They should have had a better season. They lost a lot of one-score games, uh, mainly because they can't get out of their own way. Penalties and their head coach, Matt Patricia, I'm going to go with a victory to start off the season 2-0. Yep, same here, 2-0 through week two. Now, New Orleans week three on the road. Again, are there going to be fans in attendance? That makes a huge deal. But all that speed on the turf, I think the Packers win this game. I honestly do. I think they start the season 3-0. I think, yeah, I think that Zadarius and Preston Smith, if healthy, will make life a living hell for Drew Brees. And I think the Packers win this game in a shootout. I got the, I got this one as a loss. I just don't like how we played down New Orleans the last couple of matchups. Uh, Alvin Kamara is going to be coming in healthy this season for the Saints. They got Mandel Sanders, Malcolm Jenkins on defense. I just still think the NFC South runs through New Orleans. I think that Atlanta is going to be tough this year. I look at the last seven weeks, eight weeks of the season last year, and Dan Quinn's job was on the line, and they actually played for their head coach. So that shows that they want him to be their head coach. I think Todd Gurley will have a decent year. I know he's got arthritis in his knee. I know he's not Todd Gurley from four years ago. But I think also Matt Ryan fully healthy. Julio Jones. uh, I like Calvin Ridley. I I think that's a loss. I think Atlanta comes into Lambeau Field. They always beat up on the Packers. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think that they win that game. I got this one as a win. Um, I just don't fear anybody on Atlanta's defense other than Deion Jones, really. Early bye week. What were you going to say? Sorry about that. No, I I was just saying the loss drew fine. I think their defense got worse. Week five, that's the bye week. Nobody likes that early bye week. I'm fine with it just because you just get done playing New Orleans and Atlanta. I mean, obviously, I'd prefer it to be week 12 or week 13, but not the case. Week six on the road in Tampa Bay, at Tampa Bay. I think they win that game. I think the Bucs go 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 9-7 and seven this year. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay was a pretty good football team last year. The reason they didn't win more games is because Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions, and it's tough to win ball games. In fact, his final play of the year was a pick six. It's tough to win games when you turn the ball over nonstop. I think they beat Tampa Bay on the road. I think Rodgers gets Brady. This one was one of the tougher ones for me. I got this as a loss. I just like the way Tampa Bay's defense matches up against us, in my opinion. Week 7 on the road, taking on the Houston Texans. Back-to-back road games, which... 
Great point by, uh, was it Rob or Ryan? I forgot who made the point, but that's the only back-to-back road games you get week seven, weeks, week six, week seven. Uh, I think the Texans, I think that's a win. Love Deshaun Watson, uh, but what a baffling offseason. You trade DeAndre Hopkins, a top-five wide receiver, for David Johnson, who's just beaten down and aging. And Bill O'Brien, um, I don't like to call anybody, like these. I mean, he's, he's a head coach for a reason. He's not very smart as a GM or as a head coach. You go back to the Chiefs game. I mean, they should have beat the Chiefs, moved down in the playoffs. He goes for it on fourth down. They blow, what, a 21-point lead? They stink. Uh, I'm going to go with the Packers winning that ball game as well. Yep, this one's a win as well. Texans at Bill O'Brien, enough said. Uh, then you get Minnesota on the road in Minnesota. Or no, at home at Lambeau Field. Uh, I have a weird feeling that the Packers win in Minnesota but then lose at Lambeau Field to the Vikings this year, despite the Vikings losing nine starters. I think they split this year. It's too hard to go 6-0 in the division two years in a row. Nobody does it. So I'm going to mark this as a loss. Yep, I also have this one as a loss too. Like you said, I just think they end up splitting. That's crazy. So we're going to predict them to go into Minnesota and beat them on the road, but then lose at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then they move on. They'll play at San Francisco. They're going to play the 49ers week nine. I I would love to mark this as a win, but I did this in the NFC Championship game. I bet my hair on the line. And then the next thing you know, I was walking around looking like Edward Furlong in American History X uh, for the next four weeks because I was bald. So I'm going to predict San Francisco to win this ball game. Yep, same here. They just got even better. Uh, Packers, I mean, I think it'll hopefully be close, but it's just San Francisco is still way too talented. Week 10, you got Jacksonville. Blowout win. I'm not sold on the Jags. Yep. Um, Tank for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that, that's, that'll put him at 6-3 and three right there, which I would take 6-3. and three. I mean, I really would. Uh, next week, 11 on the road in Indianapolis, taking on the Colts. Obviously, they've moved on from Andrew Luck, who retired two years for last year, and then they've moved on now from Jacoby Brissett. Phillip Rivers, the starter there. Uh, I think they beat the Colts in Indianapolis, although I do think the Colts will win the division. Yeah, same here. I got this one as a win. I just think this one's going to be very close. Like I said before, this is one of the tougher ones I could try to figure out. I think it'll come down to like a Mason Crosby game-winning field goal or something. Then you get the Chicago Bears. At home, week 12, I think that that's a win. I think the Bears are going to be a disaster. I think they're going to be beat up again. Yeah, I agree. I think they go 2-0 against the Bears this year. Damn, that would have the Packers at 8-3, and which I would take in a heartbeat. Uh, week 13 against Philadelphia. That, that I'm, I'm going to predict a loss right there. I mean, Philly came into Lambeau Field on Thursday night last year, gave the Packers their first loss of the year, and they did it without really any healthy wide receivers. I like Carson Wentz, and I think now he's going to have a chip on his shoulder because they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, and I think they're going to find a way to get Jalen Hurts on the field as soon as week one. I think he's going to be a gadget-type player. I'm sold on Philly, but I still don't think Philly wins the division. I like the Cowboys. Offensively, mm-hmm. they're going to average 38 points per game. They're not going to be able to stop anybody, but they're going to be able to outshoot everybody. Dak Prescott on a... Um, I mean, they're franchise tagging them, so it's going to be a contract year for them. Amari Cooper, you got CeeDee Lamb now. You still have Ezekiel Elliott, one of the better offensive lines in the league. Uh, but still, I think Philly's going to be tough this year, so I'm going to mark that as a loss. Same here. Um, I like the addition of Darius Slay. That was really their only true weakness on defense last year. And I think they can end up winning the division. I think they could have last year, but, I mean, injuries and all things considered kind of derailed them. Yeah, they should have. 8-4, and four, I got them right there. Then they go to Detroit on the road. I think they lose this game week 14 in Detroit. Again, I think Detroit has the is capable of winning 10 games if they stay healthy, get out of their own way, and if Matt Patricia isn't a total disaster again this season, I could see Detroit winning that game in Detroit. I mean, Detroit played the Packers. They should have won both games against Green Bay last year. Mason Crosby field goal saves them at Lambeau Field. I'll go Detroit to pull off the upset. Yeah, I agree. Didn't they not like lead for a single second officially last year? Yeah, right? against, it was against both Detroit. Game running field goals? Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
And and it wasn't only the Packers that Detroit played tough. I mean, it was every team in the league. Uh, we'll wrap these up really quickly. Week 15 against the Carolina Panthers. I think that's a victory. I'm not sold on Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback. Yeah, and their defense is just kind of abysmal now. Yeah, I forgot Luke Keekley retired. Damn. Uh, week 16 against Tennessee. Again, I got this as a victory. I think Tennessee regresses a little bit. I mean, Derrick Henry and the defense, of course, individually carried them into the AFC title game last year. I just I don't see Derrick Henry having as big of a year. Again, he's franchise tagged as well, so it's a contract season. But Ryan Tannehill played out of his mind, and it was all off play action because teams were stacking the box against Derrick Henry. I think Tannehill comes back down to earth after getting that big contract, proves he's Ryan Tannehill. Packers win that game week 16. I got this one as a loss. I just don't like our odds against Derrick Henry with our current run defense that we saw from last year. Especially in the cold. Good point. Week 17 at Chicago. I think that's another win, so that'll put the Packers at 11-5. and five. I think that's Ooh. good enough to win the NFC North. I'll take it. Yeah, I got them at 9-7. and seven. Um, I think they can obviously be a wild card team, but I can still see them win the division. I think, you know, nobody got better in the division. If not, everything, everybody pretty much just got kind of stayed the same. Yeah, I'd say I like the Lions draft the best, the Vikings draft. I also like the Bears. I mean, they took Cole Komet, so now they have 15 wide or 15 tight ends on the team. Really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. All right, that'll pretty much wrap it up for us. Really quick, uh, Scott tweets in at 105.7 FM, the fan. He goes, week one, win. Week two, win. Week three, loss. Week four, win. By week, so he's gonna go. Let's see, two and zero, oh, two and one, three and one. Got a loss to Tampa Bay, a loss to Houston. So back to back losses on the road. He's got him losing to San Francisco. He's got to lose him to Detroit. So see, somebody else that agrees with me. Uh, playing in Detroit might be tough this year. So that'll do it for the schedule release show. Couldn't even think of what we called this bad boy because you don't hear a whole lot of schedule release shows. But no live sports. I had a lot of fun. Sam, thanks a lot, man. That'll do it for the show. 414-799-1250. I want to hear from you guys tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. We will win-loss this record or the schedule, and uh, we'll talk about it. Again, Packers open up with the Minnesota Vikings week one. Two NFC North games back-to-back. No AFC-NFC for the first four weeks of the season, as we previously thought. That'll do it. Be back tomorrow morning bright and early with the pregame show. Bart Winkler morning show, 6 to 10. Bill Michaels, 10 to 2. And the Wendy's Big Show will bring you home, per usual, 2 to 6. We're back tomorrow here on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.